If you're looking for a podcast to give you tips on fall lawn maintenance. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, no. So are we. Yeah, well, no, actually, actually no, no, we're not. No, we're not. Um, uh, however, this is comedy. Tragedy. Marriage. Welcome to Comedy, Tragedy, Marriage, a podcast where a longtime married couple takes turns each episode selecting a movie, TV show, or documentary to watch. We then watch it together, and then we discuss it and talk about our feelings. Oh, no. Oh, yes. Uh, I am Stan the Movie Man, and I review films at StanTheMovieMan.com this week. Uh, my latest review is of Venom Let There Be Carnage. You can find that, once again, at StanTheMovieMan.com. You can follow me on Twitter, at MovieManStan, and you can follow the podcast on Twitter as well, at CTMarriage. If you need to contact us, or if you want to contact us, just lose your mind, whichever way you want to go. Give Stan some email to read. Eh. Yeah, I can live with it or without it. Uh, you can uh, send emails to us at comedytragedymarriage at gmail.com. You can also click the link in the description of this episode and leave us a voice message. Joining me, as always, is the light of my life. The, the reason I uh, dive headfirst into the cesspool that is life <laughs> just so I can come home to her radiant face. It is the one and only my other half. Maud the thingy broad. And this week it was my choice as we kick off the spooky season. Ooh. And the spooky season movie I decided I decided to kick it off with is a classic from John Carpenter. No, not that Halloween movie. Actually, this isn't a Halloween movie. This is just a scary movie. It is called The Thing from 1982. The year I graduated from high school? Holy cow. <laughs> uh, it stars Kurt. It's also the year we started dating. Yeah, toward the in the summer, yeah. yeah. Um, it stars Kurt Russell, Wilford Brimley. Without the mustache. Yes, T.K. Carter, uh, David Clennon, Keith David, Richard Dicehart, Charles Hallahan, Peter Maloney, Richard Mazur, Donald Moffat, Joel Polis, and Thomas Waits. Uh, do not get attached to that Any, many people in the cast. really. Because uh, likely they're not making it to the credits. The Thing is based on a book called Who Goes There? Um, and, of course, there was a uh, another movie called The Thing from Another World. From 1951. Uh, which starred James Arness as The Thing. James Arness, of course, played Sheriff Matt Dillon on the long-running TV western Gunsmoke. And he still didn't know that Miss Kitty was running a brothel upstairs. Yeah, I, I can't. He was he, Marshall Dillon. Like had no brains in his hat. Well, and until you told me, I'd never thought about it. What? No. Because well, I when when Gunsmoke was on, I was a child. So was I. Well, Hello? yes, but you probably weren't aware of the concept of a brothel or sex workers until you were older. That is true. And the same with me. 
I had no idea. I thought she ran a bar that had some gambling, and you could sleep there if you wanted to. <laughs> yeah. I had no idea <laughs> that you could, you know, get your freak on. Miss Kitty was running a cat house. Well, meow. Yeah, I know. It's all in the name. I know. But that's anyway entirely beside anyway, the point. Marshall Dillon was the title creature in The Thing from Another World from Correct. 1951. Correct. Walking now, around in like a big suit that you said looks like a carrot. Yeah, well, that's what they, that's how his creature is described uh, once they start to figure out that it's an alien, that he's like a walking carrot. That's how <laughs> they describe him. It's not how I described him, it's how they describe him. Yeah, uh, that might be fun movie, to watch sometime. It, it would, um, and uh, we'll, we may do that. Um, but um, this this movie has very little to do with, with, that with that movie, other than the setting. It's in, uh, in this case, Antarctica. Way cold. Yes. Um, it is a, a, science, a U.S. science station uh, located in Antarctica. Nearby, there is a Norwegian science station, which is how the movie kicks off when a helicopter is uh, flying after and chasing a sled dog. Um, one of the people in the helicopter is shooting a rifle at this dog unsuccessfully. And when they uh, land at the U.S. base where the dog has run to, uh, one guy gets out and uh, pulls the pin on a grenade and he's going to throw it, but it slips out of his hand behind him and he, you know, tries to find it in the snow, but then it explodes yeah. and blows up the helicopter. Well, the other guy has jumped out of the plane, the guy with the rifle, and he's shooting at the dog. Um, and accidentally uh, nicks one of the U.S. Uh, crew members, and the commander of the U.S. crew... Um, that's Kurt Russell, right? No. No. Uh, it's a guy named Gary. Oh, that's Donald Moffat. Donald Moffat. Um, he has a gun, and he shoots the Norwegian in the head. Uh, they don't know what's going on, why they were shooting, chasing, or shooting at this dog. The dogs put in the pen with their other dogs, yeah. other sled dogs. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, um, you know, it's just, they think maybe they've gone snow crazy or, you know, something like that. Um, but that's not it. Because when the dog is put in the pen, in a few minutes, it begins to transform into something it starts shooting out tendrils it is spraying the stream of fluid at one of the dogs um, and it is uh, grabbing the other dogs with these tendrils and pulling them in um, what they eventually figure out uh, well they come in to the um, to the pen and with a flamethrower now why in the world they would have a flamethrower in Antarctica? Other than it might be helpful for melting ice, but well, other it, than that. That's plausible. Besides, this is 1982, and this is a horror movie. So, you know, why wouldn't you have a flamethrower would be my question. So anyway, they use the flamethrower to set the creature, this malformed um, um, creature, 
uh, on fire and they let it burn for a little bit and then they put it out and they do an autopsy on the creature and they find um, um, you know bones that are dog but bones that aren't dog yeah and they find um, you know organs that look right that are dog and then things that are not dog right uh, they go they take their helicopter over to the Norwegian base and they find something wrapped up in a back room and it is this uh, it looks like a merged body or a body that was caught in this middle of merging two there are two very grotesquely misshapen but recognizable as faces mm-hmm. and a whole bunch of other just gnarled gross stuff stuff that you know is reddish or shiny and hairy and you know just it's it's grotesque it looks like something from a nightmare if you were having a nightmare within a nightmare yeah um and they take that back to the base and they again check it out and they find um you know that it looks like whatever the dog was has oh and while they're over at the norwegian base they find that they have um excavated a big slab of ice and under that ice is what appears to be a flying saucer yeah uh, and they also find a big rectangular-ish hole in the ice mm-hmm. that is um, something that apparently was a body. Anyway, they, the doctor in the group, um, or researcher, uh, figures out that the creature they had found at the Norwegian base was stopped in mid metamorphosis uh it, the uh, the alien um can mimic people it essentially takes over every cell in a person or any life form's uh, yeah, body yeah i was going to say an organism uh and can replicate it and it can it apparently also absorbs their knowledge and their memories because you know they talk to some people at the base that we later find out were possessed by the are, thing are aliens um, and uh, one of the people figures out using some really really high end computer graphics you know for 1982 it was what there was and and I have to say that that's the only really cheesy obvious thing in this movie and for me the researcher figures out that it would not take long that if this if the thing Managed to get to someplace warmer where there are more people, it would not be long before the entire world was overrun and the entire population replaced with with the thing. thing. Um, Which makes some people go crazy. Um, I saw this in the theater in 1982 uh, when it first came out. Do you remember what time of year it was released? Was it fall? Or... Mm -hmm. I don't know. Was it know. a summer release? Because I don't I, I remember. I think it was, uh, its release date was June 25th, 1982. Right so before our first date. That was date. about two weeks, maybe three weeks before our first date. Wow, that explains so much. <clears throat> yes, it does. <laughs> um, 
and you saw it in the theater i saw it in the theater i loved it thought it was you know for the time the special effects were something else um it is probably the very definition of a body body horror movie uh, because your body is taken over by this thing and then adapted and modified and um, mutilated and destroyed. Yeah. And uh, I thought that this is the greatest movie I had ever seen up until that point. Now, this was before American Werewolf in London because you and I went to see that, didn't we? No. I don't think we did. Oh, did I see that with somebody else? You may have seen that with somebody else. Oh, my. Goodness gracious. So sorry. Oh, look, a smartphone. (laughs) Um, So anyway, um, I saw this in the theater, thought it was fantastic, wondered why I wasn't in a crowd of hundreds watching this movie. And it came out during a time of a glut of other sci-fi type movies. Mm-hmm. One of them was The Wrath of Khan, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Uh, and there were other sci-fi movies that came out. Also, apparently, and I don't know this, but I, you know, it says so on the Wikipedia, the promotion of this movie by the studio was muted at best. Um, the critic react, critical reaction was abysmal. Oh, well. All the critics hated it. Said it was too grotesque. That um, you know it was just awful in that way, um, and that the characters, while the actors did a good job portraying their characters, the characters themselves were poorly written and blah, not blah, a lot blah. to work with for the actors, right? Yeah. And it uh, did not do that well at the box office. Normally, I leave this for the end, but in North America, based on a fifteen million dollar budget. It made $19.6 million. Ouch. Yes. Uh, John Carpenter lost jobs, directing jobs. Because, because of this movie. Of this movie, Oof. because it was a failure. Ouch. You know, fast forward 20 years, and it becomes this this revered classic of horror. Like a cult sleeper kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, once it hits home video... It becomes a huge seller and a huge rental. And eventually, John Carpenter, for this film, is somewhat vindicated. Yes, he is. Um, you know, and then he has those other joints that he does. Right. So, you know, he, he did aight. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's a, it, it is a polarizing film, at least across time. When it first came out, it was disliked and, under, and rarely seen. And now, in modern times, it's considered a classic. And Blumhouse is getting ready to do a remake. Oh, jeez. Okay. Which is going to be filled with CGI, probably. And, you know, there there are things about CGI that are great. You, you get believable dinosaurs. And you get, you know, uh, people falling thousands of feet through the sky while involved in a fight. Yeah. Um and and it looks cool and it looks and it looks good it looks believable the uh, the venom that let there be carnage the the venom creature comes out of of the people it possesses I mean well 
anyway. It, 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 doesn't, it doesn't take you over as much as it is it shares you. Okay. Um, and that looked very realistic, very, you know, it, it was believable. Uh, so CGI can do some amazing things. What's going to happen probably with this Blumhouse? Of course, they, they make horror movies on a budget. Um, they may not spend as much as $15 million on the thing. Hmm. Their remake of it. I don't know. but It'll be interesting to see. I so hope that they use traditional special effects. Like models and miniatures. Models, and... miniatures. Uh, you know, there was a lot of hydraulics there. You know, when the when <laughs> when the guy's head pulls off and tra- and's crawling across the floor. That, that was, was cool. <laughs> that was like um, um, uh, RC car yeah. that had the head put on top of it, and um, there was a point where the, uh, its tongue reaches out and wraps around a table leg and pulls itself across the floor. Well, the tongue shooting out was actually reversed. Oh, that it makes actually sense. was brought back in. And it, yeah. Okay. Um, but you know, and there's a little hydraulics, uh, pneumatics that made the legs come out. And I'm just assuming everybody listening has seen the thing. If you haven't, you can see it on stars, or you can rent it at all these places. Uh, but you know, for live action special effects I, I you're for Clint it is at the time watching it I almost had to hide my eyes on a couple <laughs> of occasions well you puppy scared I, well it was just like oh my god that man's head's crawling away I mean, it's his neck is stretching and the skin is tearing, you know, and his chest had just opened up and there were teeth, and it bit off another guy's arms, and and uh, another guy uh, gets bit. His head is enclosed inside one of the things uh, when they've just decide, you know, just discovered that the cre- one of their crewmen is the thing possessed by the thing, and its head splits open and it's another mouth and you know it clamps on this other guy and it's slinging him around you know I you know CG is not going to be able to reproduce that kind of visceral reaction that I had in 1982 couple of observations um, and we talked about this a little bit we haven't really fully had a fully fleshed discussion about this film. No. Um, but I did comment that um, seeing and hearing this on a big screen in a theater oh. had to have been unbelievable because in addition to all of the the squirting, splurting... Squishing. Squishing goop and blood-esque looking stuff that you're seeing and the the tentacles flying out from this thing and the legs popping out and the head crawling across the floor and all of that stuff you have all of these really gross sound effects oh yeah and you so you're you've got big images on the screen you've got big speakers and all of this gore coming at you 
Um, the second observation that I made was that to have been a Foley artist on this film <laughs> would have been incredibly like the best job ever in the history of gross jobs. And if you don't know what a Foley artist is, they are the people who come in after the film is shot and supply the noises that you expect to be there, but normally wouldn't be picked up on uh, mics. Uh, as they're actually doing the shooting, like footsteps walking through snow. Yeah. That is always That's usually added a foley. Later. Uh, chances are a horse clopping is also added later. Uh, a lot the, of the splurting, squirting, oh yeah. gushing would have been foley. Uh, uh, anytime you see a fist fight and you hear that sort of pop snap when somebody, you know, connects with somebody's jaw. That's a foley that's effect. That's a foley effect. Uh, the sound of bacon sizzling or fire crackling. It could be either one um, because it's done the same way um, is is a f generally a Foley effect. So that, they're the people who come in and provide the sound later on. That just seems like a fun job. Like second only possibly to cartoon voice. Um yeah, I think Foley arts requires a level of ingenuity and imagination that Oh, for sure. You know, you just... I, I don't think I would be up to the task because if you need a specific sound and all of your little toys and devices aren't giving you that sound, it's your job to go find the thing that will make the sound to match the action on the screen. Find the thing or combine the things that you have. Yes, you can do in that In an too. unusual way. It is... Um, it is a job that I, I it sounds cool from the outside, literally, um, but I don't know that in practice it's probably just a job to those folks. It's it's not the kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's not the fairy tale that we're probably making it out to be. I would sure love to give it a go, though. I would as well. So tell me, you'd never seen this movie before. I had not. Um, and it is a little dated. Only, I mean, aside from the computer thing, there's no women in this movie at all. True. Um, even in the 1950-whatever version. There's, there were chicks. There's one woman. Um, and in the um, prequel that was made in 2011, there's at least one, maybe more women in that. Um... Tell me, what did what did you think overall of the thing? I was surprised at how much I liked it. Really? Yeah. Well, I'm um, surprised too. I was surprised at how convincing the monster effects still that gross stuff still holds up. Mm -hmm. It really, really does. Now, when we see um, Mr. Doctor Scientist, who's its guy, you know, putting his computer data into yeah. his computer. That you know, that's like a Commodore sixty four or something. Some, it's, it's, maybe not even that. Yeah, it's it's a very dated computer, DOS based, blinky looking setup. Right, so. and what he was doing was probably beyond the capability of, of your that standard device desktop at the time. Computer, yeah. But um, aside from that, 
um, this thing really still holds up quite well in my, you know, limited expertise and opinion. Um, it also, there, there's a, an X-Files episode from maybe the first two seasons, I can't remember specifically, but it's probably season one or two, where um, Mulder and Scully are dispatched to a cold outpost somewhere mm -hmm. and there's this thing that's infiltrating the people at the outpost and it, and it was a very similar kind of I think that that episode of X-Files might have almost been an homage to this film yeah um, because there were elements of it that were quite similar yeah um, and uh, Carpenter borrowed liberally at least in tone and style from other um, like 1950s horror movies mm -hmm. including the thing from another world sure I mean there's there's nothing truly new under the Sun no. there are just the same ideas shaken up turned on their sides um, repurposed in some kind of different way with a twist with a monster from another planet with a monster from another planet um, one thing that I appreciate it about this movie especially I mean aside from my love of the special effects is is that the the monster the thing never looks the same way twice oh my gosh no even within the same scene yeah when they cut to a reaction shot of somebody and go back to the thing it has changed shape it's constantly morphing yes. and it's it's almost and I I have to say the horror is not typically my thing okay mm -hmm. um but this just seems like it was so well made and oh, so yeah. well thought out um but yeah every time you see the thing it it, it is constantly metamorphosing into some other iteration of itself and it and they're all gross and uh obviously i think it has a memory of the other things it has um impersonated. Oh, I'm sure. Because when the head crawls away, it's got those spider legs that crawl out. Yeah. So it has been that before somewhere else on another planet. This reminds me of Star Trek and the Borg and you will be assimilated and resistance is futile. <laughs> I do think that the thing absorbs not just the physical properties of, of its victims but it also um gets all of their intellect and instincts and all of the brain things that come with it too yeah um and aside from just the fear of of you know becoming a victim of the thing mm -hmm. there's the paranoia that goes along with um this isolated cut off from the rest of the world outpost where you don't know for sure if the person standing next to you is has been infected. a person. Yeah, um, it's yeah, and the the X Files episode that I mentioned before played on that kind mm -hmm. of paranoia too, because there was that whole dynamic of you know this thing has has infected. Um, but yeah, there's the whole mind game that goes along with it too, and you can't trust anybody and you know is it going to be me next is it already me mm -hmm. um so that kind of suspense building was very 
well negotiated too, I think. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I'm I'm going to borrow from another podcast. Okay. Um, uh, there's a podcast called With Gourley and Rust. Uh, they are two actor, comedian, improviser people. Mm-hmm. And they have a shared love of horror movies. Now, they haven't done this horror movie, but they've done, um, like, all the Jaws movies along with uh, The Meg and uh, Fish-adjacent uh, horror movies. <laughs> like Piranha 3D. Or... Sharknado? No, they didn't do that one. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. they, they, they did, however, do a very bad Italian ripoff of Jaws called Cruel Jaws. Uh, but what they do is after they watch, they, they've watched all the Freddy movies, they watched yeah. all the Jason movies, you know, they watched all uh, the, the all the alien movies. Um, and what they do is they will discuss what their favorite kill is. Ew. Uh, in the film. Yeah. So maybe not favorite kill for you, but is is there a alien se- or a, um, a a thing sequence where it has grabbed somebody uh, and it makes its presence known um, that you found if not the most entertaining then the most impactful well um, Charles Hallahan's head crawling across the floor and him making this horrible grotesque face the screaming yeah um, that's pretty memorable. Um, I, I remember like within the first few minutes of the film saying, oh God, I hope something bad doesn't happen to the dog. Well, you already knew that something bad had already happened to the dog. Yeah. And, and what's going to happen to more dogs. Yeah. And, and the fact that it, it, it's a flamethrower <laughs> that has to destroy this thing. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of cool pyrotechnics that happen. Right. Just, uh, you know, them trying to survive and, you know, use up all their fuel burning this thing up. Yeah. Um, so yeah, those those two things are are going to be stuck in my head now. It's not the flashiest kill, but near the end, where Wilfred Brimley's character has, you know, shown itself to be the thing, mm-hmm. and it grabs Gary's face, Ugh. and it's like working its fingers through its through Gary's through skin, the skin, yeah, and then he's dragging him by his face, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that it's not the goriest, uh, but it's striking. But yes, it is. It, it was unique and it, to me stuck out in, in that way. But if you want to go for gore, then it's got to be uh, where um, um, but, uh, Dice Heart, the doctor's character, yeah, the doctor. Um, yeah, I don't remember his name. Richard Dice Heart, uh, Doctor Cooper. Doctor Cooper. Um, is trying. Uh, it appears that the um, the character, the one you just talked about with his head crawling, Charles away, Hallahan. Charles Hallahan has had a heart attack. Um, yeah, and he's using um, paddles, the a defibrillator. defibrillator on him. And the first time he shocks him, he, nothing much happens. And the second time, he's you don't do this, but. <laughs> He had his arms all raised up, and he's like, he's going to drive the paddles into his chest while his chest opens up, and it's got teeth. Yeah. And it clamps down on his arms and bites them off. Um, that 
that for a pure gore point of view pretty impressive is 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 one of the better kills um if you will in the thing well we've pretty much told you what we think about the thing yeah we should probably take a break though and you know give give them a minute yes Um uh, yes, we'll uh we'll come back, we'll discuss uh our ratings for the thing, and also we'll talk about what we've watched right after this. Welcome back to Comedy Tragedy Marriage. We watched the thing. We think you should too. Please, Maud, tell me what rating do you give the thing based on Don't even try to I'm not. I give it five stringy bloody guts. <laughs> well, you're not even trying. Well, there's stringy bloody guts. Yeah, there is. Well, I'm giving it five mutated dog heads. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it is so good. It really is. And I'm and this is not this my is kind not of... This is not your kind of movie, no. Not my cup of tea at all. But, um, you know... I was surprised how much I liked it. It's it it is you know a good movie's a good movie. Excuse me. Oh wow! I am so dainty you and are such a lady. Just so precious. I am. Um, yeah. Um, Carpenter, he paid a price for the failure of the thing for a while. He uh, was supposed to direct Firestarter based on the Stephen King novel that. Uh, about the little girl, Drew who, Barrymore, Drew yeah. Barrymore who, who starts fires, and our own David Keith, Knoxville's own David Keith, yeah. plays her father. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, but he uh, he called it, um, uh, you know, it it really put a damper on his career for a while, and didn't um, didn't make any money until it was released on home video, um, and it was a you know, critical uh, failure, but with modern reviewers taking a look at it, it has uh, it has like an eighty six on Rotten Tomatoes. Cool. Uh, and has like a fifty four on Metacritic. Um, Which seems a little harsh, but it's Metacritic. So well, it's Metacritic, um, and that eighty six on Rotten Tomatoes, it could just be barely positive reviews yeah. and it gets a thumbs, a, up. a thumbs up and if it you know so that skews that number so if you want an honest critical opinion maybe stick with Metacritic but um, yeah uh, I love this movie I have always loved this movie and if you haven't seen it it is available on stars and you can rent it on all the places uh, it's a, and there is some language. It's R-rated. Yeah, there's language. And of course, there's also gore. gore. But you know, if your 15-year-old hasn't seen it, and you don't mind the occasional f-bomb, and a few other words, and gore, <clears throat> and gore, uh, then I, I think it is appropriate for that age. 15 or 16. 16. You have to you have to Depends judge on based kid. on your kid. But and since we don't have any, we really don't yeah, know. No, we don't we don't we don't have a clue. I wouldn't have wanted the dog to watch this. Eh, he would have slept through it. I I don't know. All well, the splurshy, squishy blur. Well, after the howling of the dogs. 
Yeah, after the barking and howling of the dogs, he probably would have just went to sleep. Anyway. So, uh, what have you watched since last week? Okay, so like just before we started, Mm -hmm. I finished watching um, The Way Down, W-A-Y Down, um, on HBO Max. It is a three-part, so far, um, documentary about um, weight loss guru, modern day, self-proclaimed kind of prophetess, slash church founder um, in Brentwood, Tennessee, Gwen Shamblin, who she and um, a bunch of other leaders from her church that she founded, the Remnant Fellowship, um, all died, presumably died in a plane crash this past summer. Mm -hmm. And um, what Gwen Shamblin was known for early on in her career was a faith-based weight loss um, curriculum system program called the Way Down, W-E-I-G-H, Down Workshops. And um, this thing started very small, and then other churches um, started picking up on it. She made tons and tons of money. Uh, Her hair got bigger. Her face got stranger. Um, Her her minions became a lot more Stepford and creepy. Um, And there's a lot of interview footage with um, escapees from the Remnant Fellowship, which a lot of people, you know, are describing as a cult. Mm-hmm. Um, she, a, a lot of the trappings that come with a lot of your health, wealth, prosperity, name it, claim it, preachers, um, are, belonged to her and to her quote unquote church as well. Um, it it's a really interesting um study in um how people will fall for anything um at these there are escapees from this cult slash church talking about how they were telling them how to raise their kids and one woman um, said that she had had taken Gwen and the church's advice and had locked her seven-year-old kid in his room from Friday night to Monday with nothing in his room but a Bible. And so, like, they didn't feed this kid, no nothing for, uh, for 48 hours. And when he came out, he was just the best-behaved little guy. Well, duh, um, that's torture. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's just, it's very, it's disturbing and fascinating. And at the end of the third installment, we get a slate that says to be continued. So mm-hmm. um, apparently there are more episodes to further flesh out this thing as the it's really still kind of a developing story, I think. Um, and, you know, HBO Max is going to make more installments, I think. Yeah. Um, she started out fairly normal looking. She had, she had big, big 90s church hair. Yes. Not like a beehive. It was a big puffy page boy, but it was normal-ish. Right. But it gets far more bizarre as the years go on. Um, 
lots of uh, probably cosmetic surgery. It looks like she had some really bad work done to her face. And also uh, several inches of makeup. Uh, yes. Uh, her husband, who was a bum. <laughs> her second husband. Her second husband, who was a bum. Who was a, well, he was an actor. Like I said, he was a bum. He was a bum. Um, he uh, um, also had had a lot of work done. Looks like. Um, uh, you know, as they were getting older, because they had this front to put up for the church. Well, yeah, you have to look good and you have to be thin. Right. And Otherwise, God's not blessing you, and that's because you got sin in your life, and we're going to send people from the church out to figure out why. Yes, they would spy on members. Uh, they had weigh-ins where you lost access to the church if you didn't meet certain weight loss goals. At least it's that's what I read. It's it's this whole image of image. Yeah. You're not losing weight is because your uh, faith is not strong enough. Your faith is not strong enough. You're stubborn, uh you're bullheaded, you won't listen to God's message. So you're you're abusing your temple. Now, I'm sitting on a couch with my wife. We are both tubs of lard. We are fluffy people. Okay, we're fluffy. She's fluffy. I'm a tub of lard. Um, Stop. I we're we're plus sized is what we're saying. I don't need a church to tell me that. It's just like when I go to a doctor and I have to see a different doctor. And no matter what my complaint is, he says, well, let's talk about your weight for a minute. Um, and I've had that happen. Oh, I have too. And I, I do not go to those doctors anymore. Well, I had one within the group we see say that to me. Recently? No, it was a decade ago. Okay. But, yeah, uh, I've, I have had. Uh, well, I have too. So, um, yeah, it's it's not healthy. Likely, I'll die of a heart attack oh, or it. stroke twee, twee, or stop. have cancer of some stop sort. Stop it! Quit it! Um, Your point's made. Uh, and will it be my fault? Sure will. Oh gosh! Uh, it, I have type two diabetes. Is that my fault? Yeah, yeah, it is because I burned out my pancreas <sighs> um, from eating a bunch of crap. And I understand that. I'm not stupid, but. I don't need to be told God hates me because I'm fat. I wouldn't have believed that then. I don't believe it now. So, if anybody tells you that because of the way you look, because of who you associate with, whatever, that God hates you or God is displeased with you, because of any of those reasons, or any myriad more reasons, that is not your friend, and they shouldn't be giving you advice. Run, don't walk. Exactly. Unfortunately, because this church had built a community around itself mm -hmm. that included doctors, um, auto care, uh, health care, you know, I mean, they wanted to eventually become so self-sufficient and insular that nobody had to leave the compound for anything. Right, and thus becoming more Stepford and creepy. 
and having more control over people. So, yeah, it is uh, it is both illuminating and depressing to watch The Way Down yeah. on HBO Max. And um, angering. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, I, mm, I just want to shake people. Let's grab them by the throat and shake them. Yeah, but don't. Okay. Thanks. I won't do it anymore. Uh, anything okay. else? Um, plowing through um, episodes of All in the Family bit by bit. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm probably two thirds of the way through season four. Um, I, I had forgotten how good the physical comedy in this show could be, mm-hmm. but like Edith and and Gloria running back and forth to from the kitchen to the living room and and the the occasional flushing of the toilet which i know is not physical comedy but it was something that was um it was controversial it was controversial at the time yeah it was a big deal they had to they had to make deals with how many times a season they could flush the toilet and it could never be more than once in an episode yeah um it's just it's just good tv it it is quite good uh anything else um just the did you watch a movie or something Probably. Oh, I know you watched some documentary about Clintons, or did we talk about oh, that I last did. week? I did. Um, I don't think we talked about. We might have. I don't know. Just. Oh, I remember. I told you um, uh, the American Crime Story was doing the Clintons this year. The Monica Lewinsky. <gasps> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, we did talk about. That. Okay. Anything else? Uh, just the stuff I'm watching with you. Okay. Um, well, something I watched without you was on Apple TV Plus. It is called Foundation. It is based on Isaac Asimov's uh, novels uh, called Foundation. And it's about a civilization far in the future that is made up of uh, millions of planets and trillions of people. It is uh, has been led by what they call the Empire, who is just the leader of Instead of emperor, they call Mm -hmm. him empire. Um, And it's been the same guy cloned for hundreds of years. Oh, okay. And there's always three of them. There's the um, brother, Brother Day, who is the leader. There's the younger version, Brother Dawn, who is learning from Brother Brother Day. Day. And then there's Brother Dusk, who is the older version of the leader and they've been doing this for hundreds of years so it's like an ongoing cycle right and it's always but it's a clone of the original uh leader of the empire um and a mathematician comes along who says uh he he calls it psychohistory and by his calculations within 500 years the empire will fall Hmm. there will be revolution Uh, destruction on a mass scale will be in a dark ages for possibly a thousand years before it settles down and we start to come out of it. They consider him a heretic and a revolutionary, but during his trial for his heresy and his Mm -hmm. revolutionary ideas, um, they have this thing called the Star Bridge, which is a gravity elevator. It's a platform that, that is tethered to the ground but is in orbit around the planet it spins at the same speed as the planet mm-hmm. and you take these elevators up and down 
you arrive via spaceship, and then you take the elevator down. Um, a group of terrorists blow it up. Ooh. And this giant column of the elevator falls down on the planet, killing hundreds of millions of people. Oh, wow. Um, so, I mean, they assume that because he had this theory, the mathematician had this theory, um, that the empire was going to fall, that somebody, you know, was encouraged by his words, so they blame him for it. But instead of making him a martyr, they send him off on a spaceship uh, to a planet light year at the edge of the empire uh, to create what he calls the foundation, which is all the knowledge of uh, all the planets so that later on, instead of having to rediscover the wheel, they can start with the knowledge of it and then Move rebuild forward. from there. Um, it's it's told, there's a ton of characters in it. I haven't even given you a tenth of the plot. Um, there's all kinds of time jumps. It jumps ahead and back in time practically every episode. Uh, it's a little confusing. It's hard to keep track of who I'm watching and when they are. Yeah, not linear. But I am enjoying it. How many episodes are there? Uh, I don't know how many total. Currently, there are three. And okay. a new one drops Friday. Okay, so it's a week at a time. Right. So uh, that's on Apple TV+. Plus. It's called Foundation. I know everybody's talking about Ted Lasso um, and um, uh, The Morning Show on Apple TV+. Plus, but I'm not really interested in either of those things. You may love them. Uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm digging Foundation. Sounds like something I might actually want to give a try to. Uh, we watched on Netflix Attack of the Movie Clichés. <laughs> this was so much fun. Rob Lowe being all Rob Lowey. He he does um, self-deprecating humor very well. He Not like, to mention snark. He doesn't take himself seriously, and I love that. Uh, he is... Um, it's it's uh, like an hour-long comedy special. They bill it as a comedy special. Yeah, it, and it's funny. And they they talk about the various cliches you see in movies like the one-man army um, and the meet-cute and other things yeah, uh, The chick running, The horror movie chick running in heels. Yeah. Like, you know, similar tropes. Um, and they have tons of movie clips. And I enjoyed the movie clips more than any of the other stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, they have people on there who are uh, commentators and critics and and you know, actors um, talking about the various cliches. And yeah, it, it was a lot of fun. I it enjoyed really it. Was. I wish it had been a series. I wish they'd parked on one or two of them for an hour and then did one or two of them in the next episode. For That's an a hour. good idea. So uh, Because they could have really made a lot more out of this whole premise. Yeah, so that's Attack of the Movie Clichés. It is on Netflix. And then we started a series uh, on Discovery Plus called Secrets, Lies, and Private Eyes uh, about a couple of different private investigating companies that are run by women. In the South? In the South. 
Uh, one of them is in our home state of Tennessee. Actually, I think two of them were. And uh, another one's in Georgia. Um, and, uh, yeah, they're, they do process serving. They Bounty hunters. Bounty hunting. PIs. They, they, you know, they follow cheating husbands to get photos. They, you know, they, one of them is um, doing investigatory work for a guy who's on trial for murder. Mm -hmm. uh, trying to bolster his self-defense claim. Um, it's. I thought it was really interesting. Pretty cool. And these um, chicks are smart and savvy, and um, do not suffer fools. No. Um, and they don't mind driving fast, and they don't mind um, going into dangerous situations. So that one, that was really interesting. Kind I'm of looking a pleasant forward surprise. To watching more of that, and. I think we have two more episodes of um, Only Murders in the Building. We got one dropped today. Uh -huh. We haven't seen yet. Um, and then next week will be the finale. Mm. I know. Next week is the finale of Evil. Yes. Uh, and this week is the finale of What If. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of stuff going on. Yes. Um, spooky season has started off with a gore. <laughs> a gory, a glorious gore. Yes. So, and I have no idea what I'm choosing next week, but it'll be super special. All right, good. Well, remember, it is spooky season, so it needs mm -hmm. to be a scary movie. Well, yeah, duh. Hello. Uh, you know, uh, I know that last year we, you know, we all both picked scary movies. Mm -hmm. I, well, except for Hocus Pocus. Yeah. That was a not scary movie. <laughs> no. It's really not very good either. Well, I mean, like, I don't get it, but there are people who, like, the Hocus Pocus is bound up in their life history, and so it's an annual tradition for them, and that's all great and good, whatever. Well, and I think Freeform, they used to be called ABC Family, yeah, uh, is showing it, like, a dozen times between now and uh, Hall Halloween. So. Probably, yeah. Um. Yeah, that seems excessive. Yeah, whatever. Especially when you watch it on Disney Plus whenever you want. Yeah. But anyway. Well, I, I think that does it for this episode. Cool. I'm glad you enjoyed the thing. I did. And I'm sure I'll enjoy whatever you pick. Yeah, don't bet on it. Okay. And <laughs> that takes care of us for this week. Thank you very much for listening. Please subscribe, rate, and review on all the podcast places, but especially on Apple Podcasts, if you can, give us a five-star review. Uh, if you have a suggestion for something you want us to watch, please tell us what that is, the name of it, uh, where we can find it, and why you think we should watch it. Send that to comedytragedymarriage at gmail.com. Uh, so, next week, you have no clue. Nope. All right. Well. Things are pretty much back to normal. Yeah. Yeah. And love you. Love you. Till next time. Later. Later. Yay!